Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. Enjoy. Have you ever been to Disneyland? Affirmative. That was definitely an e-ticket. I can't believe all the new gadgets they've got now. For a while, we didn't even have a house phone, not to mention laser discs. You are listening to the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. This week on the show, whether it's a you know animated or live action or you know in a film or a series, whatever it is, I just love the idea that these two badass you know warrior chicks are going to go on a quest through the galaxy to like save the. Not damsel, but like dude in distress. Yeah. I love that. Uh, I want to see that as an audience member. I want to see that story. Heck yeah! Here are your hosts, Jamie Green and Justin Connors. Welcome to another episode of the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com or on all those social channels at thegbbpodcast. I am Jamie Green, your host. You can find me at the Roarbots, and joining me this week, Shiri. Uh, you can find me at SW Sondheimer on Twitter. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. Um, today is a Star Wars day for us. A Star Wars? Oh, it is a Star Wars day. <laughs> I like, was like, wait, for you what? and the kids? What? <laughs> no, for you and me. Yes, right it now, is. as it we speak. It's very exciting. <laughs> uh, it's been a while. I mean, I, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a Star Wars day on the show. I know I've got another one coming up. That it's pretty exciting, which I haven't talked about yet. But um, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a Star Wars-centric show. Yeah, and there was big Star Wars news at um, in San Diego. So <gasps> excellent timing. Well, it, it, I happened to know somebody who was at San Diego this year. Yep. What? You're kidding. <laughs> it was twa- me. Twasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was not at that panel. I was not at the Clone Wars panel. I was in transit between... Two interviews when I got a text from our mutual friend, um, Will, that said Clone Wars is coming back and everyone is crying. (laughs) (laughs) So are you, I I mean, this is probably a dumb question, but you were a Clone Wars fan when it was on first run, yeah? You know, I I have watched it in the last couple of years with the kids. I didn't watch it when it was first on. Yeah, neither did I. So it was on, and I'm always amazed when I go back to look at when it was on because it feels like, and I know it shouldn't be a surprise because they just had the 10th anniversary. That's what this was all about, that it's only 10 years old. But like, I go back to look at it and I I, I feel like it should be a lot older than 2008. Yeah. But it wasn't. And and every time I look at that, I'm like, wait, 2008? That can't be right. It's got to be older than that. Even between Clone Wars and Rebels, there was a big evolution in computer-generated animation. Yeah. It it was (laughs) – John and I always joke when we're watching Clone Wars, like, everybody either walks with their arms at their sides or folded. Yeah. (laughs) And the – and I'm not going to lie, the character design and the animation style in that show, it took a long time for me to warm up to it. Mm. So the – you know, I think a lot of people forget that that show started – with the theatrical release, you know, that was a theatrical film that they, they, they jumped into the waters with. And it, it caught a lot of people by surprise because it was so 
different looking. Like mm-hmm. the, everybody was very long and had these long faces and tall. And it was very different from the Gendy Tartakovsky uh, mm-hmm. Clone, Clone Wars micro series, which was everybody was very squat and short. It was like <laughs> almost polar opposites. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think that show, it did a lot. You know, it, it gave us Ahsoka Tano, mm-hmm. who is, you know, definitely a favorite in my house. Um, it made me care about Anakin Skywalker, which I had certainly never done mm-hmm. before. Um, Matt, Matt Latner did a fantastic idea, or a fantastic job with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was a prequel that actually added to the story in a way that many of us feel the prequel films did not. Yeah. Well, what's interesting, as you say, made you care about Anakin in a way that you hadn't before. What I think that show, the most remarkable part of the Clone Wars is that it made all of that political stuff interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, there everybody, you know, knocks the prequels because, oh, trade negotiations and tariffs. And it, it's like news today, 2018, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's why is this interesting in our sci-fi? And I think those things are not inherently uninteresting. I just think that they don't work in a two-hour film. Right. You know, but with the Clone Wars, given entire seasons to stretch out the story and show the intrigue and show the political machinations and how people react, I think it worked a lot better in that medium, in that format. It did. And it also, um, it gave the Jedi a lot more depth, which some people I know don't like, but I personally prefer. Yeah. Um, and I think it made the Jedi more interesting as an as a group and individually. Yeah. And of course, it led us to Rebels. That's right. I was going to say that. So that was the big news out of this year's San Diego Comic-Con that Clone Wars is coming back for one more season. It's going to be on the Disney, uh, I, I think it's as yet unnamed, the, their streaming service that's mm-hmm. going to come out next year. So it'll be there. One more reason to give Disney more of your money. Yep. Uh, but it did give us Ahsoka, which ties in directly to Rebels. Yep. It didn't at first, but by the end of the first season, it did. Um, and Rebels, again, if you're talking about animation style, was was another big departure. It did not mm-hmm. look like the Clone Wars at all, which was somewhat surprising given that the, a lot of the same people worked on it. Yeah, I think technology had developed to the extent where um, they could generate more organic movement for the characters. I think that was the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, not everyone was quite so square. <laughs> yeah, it, it, they looked a little bit more lifelike. You mm-hmm. know, like they had they had more energy to them. The characters yep. they were a lot. Their movements were more fluid. So, when did the first season come out? That was even five years ago, wasn't it? No. Yeah, yeah because there was a big break between season one and season two. Like it was. I feel like it was. There was um. They did season one, and then there was a special, mm-hmm. and then the second season was delayed, and it was short. Mm-hmm. And then they did a full season three and a full season four. So, you know, in my typical fashion, I haven't actually done the research, but I feel like it was five years ago that it yeah, started. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's it's a fair it's a fair assessment. Um, but so when you look at shows, a lot of the popular shows that are in the same vein, like um, Voltron. You know, the characterizations and the, the character design on Voltron is very fluid. You, they, they look like they're moving. There's no, they're not blocky and stocky and, and uh, some, you know, what you like we were just talking about with the Clone Wars. And I feel like 
a lot of that is possible because of probably the work that they did on Rebels. Mm-hmm. You know, Rebels laid the groundwork for shows like that. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, though, I mean, a show like Avatar and Korra did, came before right. Rebels, and and they all kind of have that same look, too. Um, but uh, Rebels gave us so many new characters that everybody, I feel like, immediately fell in love with. Mm-hmm. I remember, so 2015, 15, 14, when, when, I don't know that you know that, again, I should have done my research, but whatever the last year that Disney did the Star Wars weekends, which was either 14 or 15, I don't know, because they stopped them. I was there for the last year that they did the Star Wars weekends, because then they, they turned it into like this longer thing called Seasons of the Force, whatever. Um, but I remember going, they had lots of special programming on those days for the Star Wars weekends and Rebels had just come out and I went, there was a, like a, a panel. It was like a, something that you would see at a Comic-Con, but it was a panel uh, and Tia Surkar was there and she was getting interviewed by James Arnold Taylor, who again, going back to Clone Wars was the voice of Obi-Wan and is the, just hundreds of other voices. But he did a sit down. It was the two of them on stage, uh, James Arnold Taylor and Tia Surkar. And I was there, I, but I hadn't seen Clone uh, Rebels yet. And I remember they were showing clips of it and he was talking to her and it was all the very like, you know, new show kinds of questions. Like, who's your character? What's the story about? Where are we going to go? All those preliminary things because nobody in the audience really knew what was going on either. This was like this brand new thing. But I remember being so excited for it that, you know, it was like brand new ships I had never seen before, brand new characters I had never seen before. This was not prequel storytelling. This was not original trilogy storytelling. A Twi'lek who was not a dancing girl. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, and I didn't know Tia at that point, you know, she was just one of the characters on the show, but I remember her being just so funny and so approachable and so happy to just be part of everything that it made me want to just go home and, and, and watch the show right away because they're uh, the two of them, like the love that they had for the property and for the franchise was so evident. And they were just both so excited to be there talking about it. Well, and it's funny when we talked to her, um, you know, I've said this before. I, I watched an interview at one point with Josh Keaton, who does the voice of Shiro on Voltron. And when you talk to Josh, Shiro does sound like Josh, but it's definitely a modified Josh. And he, he talks about how he kind of physically changes his body when he's recording that voice. But when we talked to Tia, when she first came on, I was like, oh my God, it's Sabine. Like Sabine is just her. <laughs> and I kind of, I kind of had like a frozen fangirl moment. I was like, oh my God, I'm talking to Sabine. <laughs> yeah. What's funny is that I don't know that, I don't re- you were not in the interview with Vanessa Marshall. I was not. So her normal speaking voice is also very close to Hera's. So talking to her, it was like, I am, just sitting here talking to Hera. It's very strange. Because <laughs> they're not voices. I mean, they're voices, but they're not like a different register or a crazy voice for like a monster. You know, they're just their normal speaking mm-hmm. voices, which I guess makes their job very easy because they don't have to put on a voice while they're acting. But uh, yeah, it makes talking to them, if you're a fan of the character that they play, a little surreal. Talking to Tia was definitely just like talking to Sabine. It was like talking to Sabine, Yeah. Um, but she is just so great. I wish I say this so often. I wish we had more time. Uh, but she talking to her was was fantastic. She is in this place right now with her career that like I don't think that she could really have any complaints. 
you know, like she she's just coming off of Star Wars Rebels, which had this amazing fan reception. Mm-hmm. You know, she's on one of the funniest and most well-received new comedies on TV with The Good Place. And unfortunately, uh, that Alex Inc., the show with Zach Braff, the one that was based on a podcast, I don't know why a, a show about a podcast wouldn't survive, but she was on that and it, it got canceled after the first season, but still headlining two network sitcoms at the same time is a remarkable feat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like she's at this prime point of her career right now where she could probably just, she has like the pick of projects probably for what she wants to do next. And with people, you know, begging, at least in my circles, because, you know, we're giant Star Wars nerds, to hear what happened to her and Ahsoka after Rebels, either animated or live action. Like, people want that. People people want to hear or see her reprise that role as well. So no spoilers for those of you who haven't finished the se- the series yet, but uh, Ahsoka and Sabine are left in a place where they're off on their own. Um, and so I think what a lot of people are begging for, like you said, what a lot of people are looking for is what happens next for the two of them. You know, do we get, a, you, you make the joke when in, in the interview, like when are we going to get our buddy road comedy, which I think would be amazing. <laughs> but I just think also just the straight up story of the two of them on going on missions and, and, you know, with their ultimate goal, I'm not going to say what the ultimate goal is because it's probably a spoiler, but you know, that as like their guiding light, but having other adventures along the way, I think that would be amazing. And like I said in the interview too, a lot of the people I've talked to, like they don't even care. They want that goal to be the last thing that happens in the show. We want a long form of these two women together having adventures. Yeah. Live action would be pretty badass too. All right, so I should probably say this interview comes with some mild spoiler warning. So what we're talking about there is some events that happen at the end of the fourth season, at the end of the series, are hinted at. I don't think that we actually come out and say it, but Tia and you both kind of hint at some things. So if you haven't finished the series yet and you want to go into it completely blind, eh, maybe come back to this episode later. But I don't think that you're going to... um, we're not, it's not gonna. It's it, not gonna. It it's not gonna ruin little, anything. But it's not gonna ruin no, anything. It's not gonna ruin anything. Uh, but we talk about Tia. We talk about Tia. We talk to Tia about a lot of different things. It's not just Rebels. We talk about her early career. We talk about how she got into the business. We talk about Rebels. We talk about the Good Place. We talk about what she's got coming up next. It's a great interview. I really do hope you enjoy it. Come back week after week. We've got great interviews every week, if I do say so myself. Uh, anyway, until next week, I'm your host, Jamie Green. You can find me at The Roarbots. You can find the show at The GBB Podcast. And you can find Shiri at SW Sondheimer on Twitter. Take care, guys. Enjoy. Tia, thanks so much for taking the time to talk. It's just, it's awesome to have you. I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time, so I'm glad this finally worked out. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Um, I have talked over the four, almost five years of doing this podcast, I've talked to a lot of people in a lot of creative disciplines, and one thing that never ceases to kind of amaze me is that they all come from so many different backgrounds, and you know, there, there's no one path 
to create that whatever their creative pursuit is. And so when I was doing a little bit of research before talking to you, I was a little bit, I guess, surprised, but not surprised to see that you had a double major when you were in college and that you had one foot in, in theater and performing and then one, ho- one foot sort of a lot, a little bit more realistic, some people would say, in marketing. <laughs> was marketing your fail-safe option in case acting didn't work out? No, I, I, I had absolutely no plan to ever use that marketing <laughs> degree. Um, I sort of didn't really give myself I never, in my mind, I never had like a, oh, if this doesn't work out, I'll go do this uh-huh. ever, um, and, which kind of is, is a is a good thing in, in the sense that like, by all means, if somebody says, well, I, I, I want to be an actor, but I would also be just as happy being an accountant. I'm like, by all means, yeah. you wouldn't do the accounting route because this route is, you know, pretty difficult and, <laughs> and stressful and, you know, there's lots of uncertainty uh, that goes with this, you know, following this route. But um, no, I actually, I, I kind of always knew what I was going to do or what I was going to try to do, uh, which was to pursue uh, a career in acting. Um, but my parents are both college professors. Um, they both have many degrees. A, a, a lot of people in my family are um, academics. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, I, I know that after I graduate, college I'm gonna move to LA and who knows how that's gonna go so I I better get like another degree that I know my parents would be like proud of (laughs) Um, just just to just to do this once because who knows how this is all gonna work out and if I'm ever gonna make them proud again (laughs) getting getting that business degree was more like um, you know I I got the the theater and dance degree which is the one I wanted Mm -hmm. and and uh, no offense to any uh, people with business degrees but it was just not for me turns out yeah uh, which I kind of knew maybe going into it but I just wanted to challenge myself and get another kind of more sort of sensible degree and just to kind of have it um, with no intention I never really had no intention to actually use it so that was really just to make your parents happy hundred percent. And I, I should add, my parents never actually said like, oh, you should get a degree in this or you should get a degree in that. I just kind of had this looming thought that like, what if things go south after this? I should probably just get this one degree that I know that they'll feel like good about. Yeah. And you know, if worse comes to worse, you could, you could do something with business, I'm sure. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't get like, a, yeah, for sure. I got a degree that I thought you know, I don't want to use this degree, but if I have to, I have it, yeah. you know, under, you know, under my belt. Yeah. It's funny too, cause Jamie and I have spoken to several writers recently who also happen to be lawyers. Um, oh, interesting. But they all practiced law. They had sort of a different attitude. They're like, I'm going to be a lawyer and do this <laughs> writing thing and see what happens. So it, it's interesting to talk to someone who's creative who said, oh, yeah, that was just a fallback. I was doing the creative thing no matter what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I think, I mean, not that this is what you're asking, but I, I sort of feel in retrospect, I'm like, oh, man, I should have, like, gone and, and uh, studied something, like, that I would, you know, like art history or something that I would uh, like, really interested in because it turns out I didn't really uh, enjoy my marketing <laughs> degree. Um <laughs> I kind of, you know, I kind of, I marvel. I had sort of two separate lives in college because I had this, like, very creative theater and dance. You know, all my friends in my theater and dance program uh, were obviously, you know, artists, performing artists. And then I had this whole other side um, 
I was actually like in a business fraternity because all my friends joined this business fraternity and the business fraternity is very much like, you know, you kind of like networking so you can graduate and get like your net, you know, your like venture, like your job at a venture mm-hmm. capitalist firm or whatever. And I, I still to this day, like all my friends from my business school uh, program, they're all like VCs and they work at hedge funds and I have no idea what they actually do. And I'm like, but I went to school. We took the same classes. Couldn't tell you. Could they, not tell you. They ya. probably so don't know what clear. they do either. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's also very possible. <laughs> but uh, I, I, you know what? I'm glad it was such a challenge for me. It was so outside of my sort of like realm of I don't know. Like it, you know, it was it was definitely challenging. I'm glad I did it. I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least you, you know, as a fallback, whether or not that's what you intended it to be, you were a little bit sensible. I went to college and I majored in anthropology, and I didn't have anything more sensible oh than gosh. that. <laughs> I would love, I, I, I say, like, I, you know, I, I would do, like, a sociology degree or an anthropology degree. That yeah. is so exciting to Oh, me. I loved it. I had a great time. But, you know, my parents were mortified. They were like, you are never going to have a job ever. <laughs> yeah, I majored in religion and minored in art history. Then went get, went to get a master's in theology, and then did oh wow, went to nursing amazing. School after that. <laughs> so well, I'm I'm jealous of all of I'm jealous of both of your your college experiences. <laughs> I mean, at least academically, um, that sounds really really interesting. And you know, I was taking like accounting 101 and I'm I mean I guess it's good to know accounting for sure, sure. You, mean, can, you can do taxes yeah. or something right and in fairness, Theore- theoretically <laughs> in fairness neither of us has gotten to play Star Wars professionally yet no that's so. true <laughs> so when you Fair enough. you you knew acting was going to be what you did and you as soon as you could from what I understand you just picked up and moved out to LA what did you have in mind like what did you think it was going to be like <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, here's what I was hoping. I was hoping, so, so, uh, my very practical, incredibly risk averse, um, you know, Indian immigrant professor parents, uh, though they were supportive, you know, they, 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 I have really cool parents. They were obviously like terrified that I was going to go do this crazy right. thing. Um, and so they, when I graduated college, you know, I, I would have moved here, like I wanted to go to USC or NYU so I could just hurry up and start acting professionally as soon Mm -hmm. as I could. Um, And they were like, no, no, you can do that for grad school. Um, You will go to a place that's not LA or New York, Um, you know, as our 18 year old, like uh, very precocious child. Um, So I, I went to school in Texas, which is where I'm from. And then they thankfully, uh, said you cannot move to LA with absolutely no money so you need to get a real job like a quote-unquote real job uh, and save up a a nest egg they called it so that I could move out here and um, not be destitute which I appreciate in you know in retrospect Mm -hmm. so I actually got a you know I worked and like saved up some money um, right out of college and then I moved here and I moved here you know with this little bit of savings so that I wouldn't have to like get a job that would I didn't want to do anything that would take me away from just like pounding the pavement and trying to make things happen right you know right out the gate yeah which was good but then I arrived here and I knew absolutely no one I had no like connections to pursue I I just showed up and I don't you know I just it was very daunting and I wasn't really sure there's no real like formula to follow or 
you know, it's just kind of like I, I showed up and I was like, well, now what do I do? I, I don't have to get a job. So that's cool. But also, like, how do I meet anyone or do anything? So it was very um, it was a very tricky first year, I would say, in L.A. where I mean, I just basically was like trying to get representation and trying to submit myself for projects and um, to make things happen. So it was a rough initial first going. And then I was super lucky. I got my first agent and within I think a week I booked my first job and I just was super fortunate that once things started to happen they kept sort of happening in like a forward you know I was making forward progress kind of quickly so that 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 was I feel really lucky that that happened because you know I have friends that are super talented and incredible actors and you know it's like it's such a strange industry in which you know just talent alone is not a determination of like sure. you know actually getting jobs and making progress so um it's a weird place and it's you know do you, <laughs> there's no <laughs> formula to follow which is tricky do you think though that i mean having you know gone to school in texas and, and that's where you grew up and like you you know what life is like outside of that industry bubble do you think that in retrospect that was you know the best move for you because you know, I, th- I think probably a lot of people who move there when they're young teenagers or as soon as they can, they, they they get immersed in that bubble and they forget what it's like in the quote unquote real world. A hundred percent. I agree with you. I at the time I was like, oh, I'm wasting time. You know, like I, I could be in L.A. and, you know, just like start starting to try, I guess, is what, you know, my plan was. Um, but now I'm so glad, first of all, I had an, you know, I loved my college experience. I had like the quintessential, you know, I went to a huge state school and I lived in Austin, Texas, which is one of my favorite cities anywhere. And like, I, I have lifelong friends from my college experience. So now when I, you know, like after coming here, after doing college, I, I was like, you know what, what would life have been like for me coming I mean, I grew up in Arlington, Texas, which is like mm-hmm. Dallas, Fort, Dallas, Fort Worth suburb. Um, moving here at 18 and trying to navigate this very strange, uh, challenging, kind of scary place uh, or industry specifically. I think I, you know, like the kind of life skills that one builds um, in in a college environment. Um, I think I, I needed those to, to be able to like come here and do what I'm doing and not like lose my mind or lose my way maybe. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I ultimately it was like the best way for me um, because I think like, who knows, I might be like a disaster if I moved here at 18 and was trying <laughs> to like do the LA Hollywood thing, you know, and people do it. I mean, they there do. are other yeah. people that, are, you know, some people it goes really well for them. Some it doesn't. And, um, I don't know which camp I would have fallen into, but I'm glad that, you know, I think I had like a stable foundation. Um, and yeah, like had, sort of had like real world experience in a place that's not Hollywood first. Yeah. And then I came here and kind of had my, I, I think, had my head on straight or straighter than it might have been when I, if, you know, I just sure. showed up as like an 18 year old fresh out of high school. Sure. Oh, sorry. I meant to, I, 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 go, I went off on a tangent and you would ask me a question. Here's what I actually thought it was going to be like. <laughs> um, which is so ridiculous now that I think about it. But I literally was like, okay, there's not a lot of like South Asian actresses that are, well, at the time, period. Mm-hmm. And also like in my age range, there was Parminder Nagra, she was on ER, and then Mindy Kaling was on The Office, like at the very beginning stages. And I was like, 
maybe I'll just show up and like someone will be like you. I need you in my next movie. Yeah. I really was like felt very, very good that there was like a chance that that happened. Yeah, you were filling a niche um, that they didn't know they needed at the time. That's exactly what. Yeah, that's that's exactly where my head was at. Yeah. Um, that didn't quite work out like that, <laughs> uh, but that's definitely what I was hoping was going to happen. Like I, I just sort of made myself. Yeah, I'd be like out at the farmer's market and someone would be like, listen, I'm producing, you know, Steven Soderbergh's next movie and I need you to be the girl that does the thing or whatever. Right. <laughs> so what, what was your first role? Oh my gosh. Uh, my very first, like, so I had done like stuff in Austin. Um, I mean, I grew up acting, uh, you know, in like theater and, and community theater and school. And then I, in Austin, I did a couple like, you know, gigs, like, um, features that were shot in Austin. I did like a little thing here and there. Um, but my first like actual job in LA was, um, an episode of Hannah Montana. <laughs> nice. Was that when she was yeah. like super huge or was that before it exploded? It's kind of interesting that you asked me that it was literally, I would say three months. I kind of knew, okay, there's this Disney show and this girl, Miley Cyrus, and she was very sweet. I think she was 14 when we filmed, when I was on the show and she was so sweet. Um, and then like three, I would say three months later, she became like this like worldwide phenomenon. And I was yeah. like, wait, I just, that girl that was like, yeah. It was, <laughs> that it was sweet kind girl of that was right on set? The, yeah, that, like right at the, right before she hit like super duper stardom. Wow. So did that, do you, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how it works. So by just doing like a one episode, you know, does that get you into the Disney machine? Like, does that get you on people's radars? <laughs> yeah kind of strange well I don't know I mean I when I first moved here um I kind of exclusively played teenagers because um they like to hire people who are not actual teenagers to play teenagers because just legally it's easier they don't have to go to school on set and you know blah 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 they don't have like limited hours they can work so I I like suddenly made a business of like playing teenagers on Disney yeah after after Hannah Montana I did um a couple episodes of a show called Sweet Life on Deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did another Disney, like a, like an episode of a Disney animated series called Phineas and Ferb. So I like, yeah, I mean, I don't know that it like launched me into, yeah. but I, yeah, I did. I did work for Disney um, uh, for a few things. And then yeah. I guess I started branching out from there. So, so for Rebels. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, sorry. For Rebels, then, did they come to you? Or did you still have to go through the audition process? Oh, yeah, no, no. That was like, that. I mean, it was the first uh, joint venture once uh, Disney bought Lucasfilm, but that was very much like a Lucasfilm, you know, uh, like it, it was through Lucasfilm that I got that job. And I definitely had to audition for it. And I definitely did not know what I was auditioning for um, at the time because it was all very yeah. under wraps and it had a different name. And, you know, all the character names were different and um, no one knew. Well, none of us knew what we were auditioning for. But Freddie Prince Jr. swears that he knew because, A, he's like a huge Star Wars fanatic. And also his lines for Kanan, who was obviously called something else at the time, he like was talking about like his sun sword or something and he's like this is definitely a lightsaber and I'm definitely a, a, a Jedi <laughs> so he says he knew and I kind of I believe that but I definitely had no idea I did not know what it was it was called Wolf at the time it was some new animated series for Disney XD and 
you know, I didn't know until I actually got the phone call saying, hey, you got that job. And by the way, that job is Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So Just this little thing we're putting together. <laughs> exactly. And then they were like, oh, and by the way, you can tell no one for <laughs> many, many, many months because it was all super, super secretive. You had been up until that point, though, you had been sort of pursuing the the on screen you know, roles, you were looking to get into film and TV was going in for animation, doing voiceover. Was that, was that something, what made you pursue that side of the industry? I guess. Um, you know, for a long time, I mean, I guess for like a lot of my life, people have, you know, from, yeah, I don't know, time from time to time have said like, Oh, you have an interesting voice. You should do voiceover. And I've, I'm always like, yeah, that's great. How do I do that? That, mm-hmm. that sounds awesome. I love that idea. But um, strangely enough, like voiceover world within this industry is a kind of niche thing and um, kind of an insular part of the industry. And so I didn't really know. I mean, I'm I'm I am an on camera actor and I was definitely game to be, you know, to to get into voiceover. I just didn't really know how to do it. And then sort of things kind of happened serendipitously. I I was in a movie um, for Fox called. The inter- oh, no, that's a lie. Wait, yes, it was the internship that I did. And then um, I was trying to remember which movie that got this got me this other job. So I did the internship for Fox, and um, then Fox was doing this anima- this beautiful animated feature called Walking with Dinosaurs. Right. Um, and they wanted to voice the character. The, the, the dinosaurs didn't have didn't have any dialogue. It was like a narrated movie, and um, they tested it with children and the children were like why don't these dinosaurs talk this Mm. movie is boring so um (laughs) they decided to add some dialogue for these dinosaurs and um so they i guess somebody at fox was like hey let's let's see if she wants to do it and i absolutely wanted to do it and then right at around the same time um this this animated you know thing came in um which ended up being you know star wars rebels and so i kind of fell into this whole voiceover thing kind of um, by happenstance, I suppose, but it was something I was certainly like definitely interested in, in trying to make happen. I just didn't really know how to go about it. And then it all kind of happened at the same time, um, in the best way possible. The, I know when you guys were on Rebels, you all recorded together, which is not, I don't know if I would say it's not normal, but it certainly doesn't happen on every show. Was that something that carried, yeah. was that something that carried through the end? Did you do it for all four seasons? All four seasons. Yeah. Um, and I would say it is not normal and it is hugely helpful. And I mean, I think, I guess it's maybe it's, I mean, look, I, I, my experience with voiceover is not exclusive to Rebels, but it's, it's, limited compared to my on-camera um you know experience but i would say in the other things that i've done it's definitely i i feel the difference as an actor as a performer you know not like like it's so much better the experience is so much richer it makes for such a better performance and also just like you know the bond that we have as a cast is definitely thanks to the experience of recording it we almost it's almost like recording like an old-timey radio show Mm because there's all you know we're all in a a booth together we each have a microphone and a stand and and they're actually um cameras recording each of our performances that they then send to the animators to kind of inform 
the way they like you know our characters um ex- facial expressions and sure. all that kind of thing um but yeah i mean our 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 dynamic is all thanks to the fact you know the 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 sort of familial dynamic we have and the rapport that our characters have with each other is certainly because we have been you know performing together uh, with each other for the last five years so I mean I think it's too bad for other shows that aren't able to make that happen because I think it's just better for everyone involved and definitely for the performances um, when you get to record together yeah at this point, can you imagine going on to another show and just recording your own lines by yourself in a booth? I mean, yeah, because I've had to do it. And it's fine. It's totally fine. It, it, you know, but I just think that this experience yeah. is so much richer because we get to, to it, we get to play together, you know, yeah. and then between takes, we're just like messing around and, you know, like cracking jokes. And um, it's just, it's just great. I feel so lucky that that was kind of my first, you know, aside from like, an episode here and, uh, and, you know, getting to do that film, um, you know, rebels is certainly like the most significant voiceover, uh, gig I've ever had. And it's like, it's the best job. Mm. <laughs> it's the best job ever. So <laughs> how lucky am I? Yeah. Pretty lucky. I would say. <laughs> yeah, I would do. I would do. <laughs> One of the things that I think is really, again, I don't know if I could say unique, but it's, it's special with, Disney and the properties that they own, so Marvel and Star Wars, is that they they really do their best to keep the same actors in the same roles across different shows or different media. So, I mean, you've mm-hmm. not only been Sabine on Rebels, but you've also voiced her on Forces of Destiny. You've been in the Infinity Game. You've probably done it somewhere else that I'm not remembering at this point. No, you got it. You got it. There, I got it all. Um, I mean, yeah. at this point, how tied to the character are you? Like, Can you imagine somebody else stepping in and, and, and voicing her? Well, no. I mean, I, you know, if it had to happen, I would, you know, begrudgingly be all right with that, of course, you know, if it was like a creative decision. But no, I mean, I feel like intimately familiar and like sort of in my mind inextricably linked to this yeah. character. She's very near and dear to my heart. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, I've made no bones about telling like people, <laughs> I mean, people are, I think, aware of how much. Well, Taylor and I both have hounded Dave Filoni like, hey, live action uh, yeah. rebel situation. You know, we're game. We're here. We're good. We're God, very ready and willing. <laughs> so I think, you know, whether it's in a live action capacity or, you know, an animation, you know, another animated something. Um, if I got to play Sabine again, I would be very, very happy. And if it us- was somebody else, I would be sad. Um, but I would be happy that Sabine, there's more story for Sabine to tell. Some of us are are campaigning heavily on social media for you and Ashley to have like an Ahsoka Sabine buddy road trip movie. Listen, listen, (laughs) I I appreciate it and I am right there with you. I will jump on that campaign really fast. We don't even we don't even wanna we don't even want you guys to find Ezra till the very end. We just wanna watch it again to be stuff. Just like an eight season long show. I love it. I love it. And then like the the series finale, we're like, oh Ezra. Oh, we forgot about him. Exactly. Like, oh good. Look at that. Here he is. (laughs) He was with Uh, us the whole time. (laughs) Mission completed. Yeah, exactly. He's like, guys, I've been in the backseat the entire time. Um I really love, well, I, I really appreciate that. And I love that people are so um, excited at the prospect of that maybe happening, um, as am I. But I also just love 
you know, the idea of this, like, whether it's a, you know, animated or live action or, you know, in a film or a series, whatever it is, I just love the idea that these two badass, you know, warrior chicks are going to go on a quest through the galaxy to, like, save the not damsel but like dude in distress yeah. i love that uh, i want to see that as an audience member i want to see that story heck yeah that would oh yeah i mean it's uh, that would be amazing I, and it's it's a story that you know eventually is going to be told we can just only hope that it's going to be sooner rather than later yes yeah and i i, I would love to be a part of it if there's sure. a way to do that yeah sure. that would be great <laughs> and it's interesting too um you're Ahsoka and Sabine are even in the midst of drama are both very funny. Um, and I've noticed, I noticed when I was taking a look at IMDb the other day that your filmography is pretty heavily weighted toward comedy. Is, is there <laughs> yeah. something, was that intentional? Is that something you really enjoy or did it just kind of happen? Um, I guess, I mean, intentional in that like I think that's probably why I started performing when I was a kid is because I love to laugh and I love to make people laugh and so that was probably the impetus for me to you know be, you know start doing theater and and start like perform well I mean I started as a dancer when I was really young and then yeah I, I just loved making people laugh and so then I started doing like musical theater and taking acting classes and you know, I was like that kid that would do like skits at family parties and try to get everyone to laugh. And so I think I might, I mean, I love to do both comedy and drama. Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess, no, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like, Oh, I, I just want to do comedies guys, but um, mm -hmm. maybe it's just sort of worked out that way. I'm happy to do both and I enjoy both for different reasons, but I think kind of my natural tendency is to, is to gravitate towards comedy. Yeah. But I do love that Sabine, like you mentioned, Sabine gets to, you know, be like kicking ass and taking names and blowing things up. And then she's got some like snide, you know, funny kind of <laughs> remark to make. I, I, that, that's probably part of why I'm so drawn to the character. However, I mean, you fit so naturally into these comedic roles, but then on something like The Good Place... You are, you know, it's it's heavily comedy, but yet you've got this villainous streak. You know, you may, you, you know, don't t take this with with in every positive way. I mean it. Like you make a great villain, and so I'm Thank one. Thank you. I I'm, take that as a huge compliment. Good. And and so I gotta ask, like, is there interest in just playing like a straight up full on villain? For sure. I mean, I I I've never gotten to play a role like Vicky. No one ever really needs me to do that or has has had me do that before and even within the you know the good place like i the way i started on that show i, I basically played the diametric opposite of vicky i'm right. like playing real eleanor and she's legitimately the kindest most wonderful good-hearted person on the planet or in the good place and <laughs> then you know i out of the blue i mean i didn't even know that was going to happen i i actually found out about vicky well, I found out about a week before we filmed that last episode, uh, wow. the season finale, the season one finale. And then I didn't even know where it was going to go until I read um, the first episode, the script for the first episode for season two. And I was like, oh, oh, this is going to be fun. <laughs> um, and it has been, oh, my gosh, so much fun. It's so she's so ridiculous. She's so over the top. She's like diabolical and also kind of just an egomaniac. Um, and yeah, she's different than any other character I've gotten to play, and it's very fun. So yeah, if somebody wanted me to be like a straight up baddie, 
I would be totally on board with that. Oh, that would be amazing. You you got a you you've got a thing now for these shows that are highly secretive and like you don't even know what's coming. <laughs> Correct. I mean, that was not by design. And actually, thanks to Rebels, I have been I have been sort of. Um, Look, it was like a skill I had to really work to acquire, which is to like be able to field questions and not actually give away mm-hmm. too much. Because at the beginning of Rebels, first of all, there's very little you can even say. But at the beginning, I was like, well, how do I even do an interview then? Because like, what can I even say? Um, uh, and that was such a challenge. And it, still, it, it remained a challenge throughout the entire series because there was so <laughs> much to say and I could say so little. Um, but that has definitely helped me in, you know, doing press for the good place where, you know, there's like so little one can say. You've proven <laughs> yourself to be to trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, I mean, um, I was the only one really who knew anything about the way our show ended um, on Rebels, you know, because I get to do the epilogue. And that one was really hard to keep a secret. In fact, we we actually recorded the epilogue. We, we recorded our last, you know, the series finale, which was very emotional. And we were all together. And then we had a dinner that night, like a big sort of like cast and crew, um, you know, sort of farewell dinner. Uh, and we <laughs> basically Dave was like, you need to stay behind. We're going to do this thing. You have no idea what it is. He sent every, almost everybody out of the room. We're talking nobody else. Of course, not the cast, even like producers and like Disney folks, everyone left. It was just Dave and the sound engineer and me. And we recorded that epilogue wow. and he hadn't even printed it out. It was handwritten on a notepad so that no one had seen <sighs> what, what, how the story ends. Isn't that so Dave Filoni? Like, That's so great. Yeah. And so I literally stayed behind. Everybody left to go to the dinner. And I say this like I'm like crying. Oh, my God. You know, so emotional. I get through the epilogue and then I go to the dinner and everyone's like, so what happened? I'm like, I can't tell you. I can't say anything. I can't say anything. I'm like wanting to tell Vanessa that she has a child or, you know, Hera has a child. Um, Yeah, that was a real challenge. (laughs) Uh. He must be extra good at that, though, because... um... I was at Comic-Con last week and the uh, Amy Radcliffe was moderating the Clone Wars panel and she didn't know that they were announcing a new season. Like all the voices. Really? Actors, nobody else knew. Yeah. Is isn't that, I mean, it's, it's frantic texts. <laughs> yeah. 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 And how great cra- and how amazing was that announcement? Yeah. I think, um, I think that we, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for my castmates and for Clone Wars um, actors, but I think it's, it's really cool to be a part of something that people care so much about. And so to, it, it would be such a travesty to leak, you know, to accidentally or purposely leak information like that, because it's so special to like be there for an, an announcement like that, where the fans just go like ballistic over, you know, learning something or like even when we were at celebration and, you know, Thrawn is part of the trailer and people are just like losing their minds or when they, you know what I mean? It's just, it, it's, I, I, I'm glad that I get to be a part of something that people care so much about. And um, so I'm, I'm happy to keep those secrets because mm-hmm. it, it makes it so much more special when the announcements get made. I know we're running. Uh, also, it's my job. It's your job. <laughs> and if you leaked it, you would never work for them again. <laughs> Correct. So there's that added incentive of wanting to keep my job. <laughs> um, I know we're running out of time with you. I'm just, I, one more question if you've got the time. 
Um, sure, yeah. I, I know a lot of actors, well, probably most actors will say that if they spend any length of time with a character, um, parts of themselves leak into that character. I mean, it's only going to be natural. But what I'm more interested in is the reverse. Have you noticed over the last however many years it was it's been since you started on the show, have you noticed any of Sabine become a, a part of who you are? Well, that's an interesting... No one's ever asked me that. Um, I I hope so. I mean, I, I'm, I find her to be, like, so... I, I think she's kind of an inspiration to me. Uh, you know, I think she's incredible, and she has so many qualities that I... I find you know like I sort of aspire to so if I have been able to glean anything from Sabine um you know that would I I, that would be amazing I mean she's definitely like cooler than I am (laughs) um and she's she's like uh you know she's she's like I I look up to her as a character you know um and so yeah maybe I mean and I I especially think that like getting to play someone like just like a total badass like Sabine I think you know has helped me in other roles you know that that I can tell you for sure because I've gotten I have this shorthand with Sabine because I've been playing her for so long and so it sort of has helped me kind of hone a special sort of type of character that I can play um so yeah maybe I have gotten to like take some of her characteristics and her qualities and apply them Maybe in my real life, but definitely in my in my career. Yeah, that's awesome. She's definitely she's been an inspiration to a lot of little boys and girls, which I can tell you from personal experience because both of my kids love Sabine. Um, oh, my daughter great! And I sometimes wear. She always wants us to wear our Sabine matching shirts together. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. I love and and not and I I really appreciate that and I love to hear stuff like that. Um, it's it's kind of it's an honor I'm, I'm that I even get to be a part of something like that but I love that um there are so you know like now is such an amazing time to be a Star Wars fan and especially for like young girls and boys to have all of these incredible female characters to look up to and aspire to and not just for girls to get to see people like Jen and and Ray and Ahsoka and Hera and, and even Sabine, but also for little boys to get to see characters like that. That's so for important, sure. I think. And I'm yep. so excited that that's happening and it's just gonna happen more and more too. This has been the Great Big Beautiful Podcast. You can find us online at thegbbpodcast.com and on Twitter and Facebook at thegbbpodcast. Thanks again for subscribing and listening. We really do appreciate it. And until next week, I am Jamie Green, and you can find me at The Roarbots. Take care. <laughs>